0: When I've spoken to employees, there's a little bit of a misconception that differentiating pay by location is a cost of living calculation. Mm. But it's not. It is a cost of labor calculation, and they're a little different. they're They're directionally the same. But I think there's a fear that if an employee is based in New York and they move to Kansas City, where the cost of living is, I'm making this up. I don't actually know this is like forty percent lower they think that salary range is 40% lower. Mm. That is not the case.
1: Hi everybody, welcome to the HR Leadership Podcast brought to you by Equitable. I am Joseph Ifyegbu, the CEO and co-founder of Equitable. This HR Leadership Series focuses on what companies are doing to understand employee satisfaction, productivity, diversity and how leaders are approaching the moments of truth. Join us. Uh, today we have with us a special 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 guest, uh, Sam. Uh, Sam would you love to uh, would love for you to introduce yourself uh, Tell us a little bit more about your role uh, for the audience and uh, yeah can really go from there.
0: Thanks so much Joseph. Um, hi, I'm Sam Felbin. I am the VP of Compensation and Analytics at a company called Grayscalable. Scalable. Uh, just a little bit of background, Grayscalable Scalable is an HR consulting firm. We do all sorts of things, um, hiring, executive search, HR services, um, and I lead the arm of the business that's compensation and analytics. Uh, we primarily work with growing tech startups, uh, companies that are anywhere from 50 to a few thousand employees, and actually recently, a ha- like in the past couple of years, we've been working a lot with nonprofits. Um, I've been at the company for just shy of seven years. Um, and before that, my my background was originally in general people analytics. So a lot of what the two of you are doing. So measure measuring all all the things, I joke I was HR numbers, measuring all the, all the things on the employee lifecycle from recruiting analytics, survey analysis, attrition prediction, um, and a lot of pay equity and Diversity measurement as well, um, and when I got to Gray Scalable, the the first, uh, the first, I, again similar was doing, and I still do. We do the team does a lot of uh, different people analytics things, but within the first few months of starting, the number one question the startups were asking were, are we paying people fairly? Um, and that it se- sounds like a very simple question, but over the past six years, that's turned into an end to end compensation service of compensation design, pay equity measurement. Uh, lots of communication plans and how that partners with HR, uh, but that's that's what we do. What
1: are some of the high level things that companies should decide or, or consider when this, you know decide to say, hey, look, we want to we want to determine a a, a strategy uh, for our compensation? are at the at the high level, what are some of those things that they should be thinking about?
0: Um, yeah, so huge question. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but in general, like a good compensation strategy is a way for a company to get proactive, intentional, and consistent. In their pay practices, so that might mean choosing what market data they're comparing them, like what what industry they're in, what market data they're comparing themselves to. It's a little bit about also considering total rewards, so how they consider compensation components differently. So cash compensation, equity if a company has an equity plan, benefits variable. There's different reasons, uh, different different levers to pull mm-hmm. uh, in these things that are you know some come com, uh, some companies pull those are top. 10 percentile of the market some can't afford like financial pure financial constraints have to pull those levers in different ways there's different reasons why employees join different companies but a good compensation strategy will be intentional about the value they offer in in those different areas um, even if they're not paying the top dollar of the market um i will say also that it's a good compensation strategy is really about how um is really about how you structure your compensation process like a lot of it a lot of it i would joke is just like how does pay change at an organization like getting really intentional about what's your promotion process how does pay increase what's your performance review process yeah. um, and all of that it's it's incredible companies hit an inflection point usually around like 40 to 50 employees where it becomes where you've also hit with a lot of employees who have hit that 12 to 18 month mark who are saying like what's next for me How does my pay change? Um, And you wanna get more intentional and proactive than just reacting to like candidate or employee requests for increases. And and you have to manage a budget. This is usually around the time when companies start to move to like an annual cycle or a biannual cycle of reviewing comp, but a good compensation strategy will allow you to be intentional and fair um, and communicate that well to employees um, about what it takes. And actually I will say a good compensation strategy as much as I'm, as the people on this call are data people, And as much as I'd love to just stay behind the spreadsheet and have it be all, this is exact truth and data, it's a huge partnership with people management and HR and leadership of an organization to communicate effectively and pair any compensation program with a career development program. A lot of times people complaining about my pay is not fair. Sure, plenty of times people are paid unfairly. But I would argue most of the time that is, hey, I don't know how to move up. I don't know how to develop my career. I don't know how pay changes or how my performance plays a part in this. That's those are all like in really integral parts outside of just like, hey, are our compensation ranges tied to the market correctly. <laughs> we've actually done some case studies where we've known that number before, done a full compensation design and communic- like communication role at our organizations and watched that number like met like wonder if we've gone from like 40 to 80% before of, I believe I'm fairly compensated without changing, without any like major shifts to like people's pay.
2: Just by being fully just by, just yeah. by
0: companies communicating well about like, like for instance, like companies that are smaller in the market, like a lot of people, huge miss, not misconception, but I would say a lot there, there's a couple data sets out there. We will say that like imply that if you're not being paid what a FANG company would pay you, you're being shortchanged yeah. Um and those companies pay the 90th plus percentile of the market. The vast majority of companies don't. And they have, if you if you as a, an employer or as, a, as an employee under, or a manager understand that like you can communicate effectively of like, hey, we're a company that's 200 people. This is where we draw the line in the sand. This is what that means. This is how we like, this is our employee value proposition and our total rewards philosophy. We can guarantee you that all employees for their level, for whatever, however you're um, you know, all the, the bullet points that go around what determines what someone's paid paid. If you can say we guarantee that no matter what all of you will fall within our philosophy and we, this is how performance plays a part in it and here's a career development framework for how people get promoted and what we expect of you
2: that takes care of so much dissatisfaction (laughs) or like and we we review pay once a year i'm curious and it's a little bit of a tangent but i'm curious about (laughs) i'm curious about you know this there's this move that everyone's doing these days that they say there's there's two moves and they're very very similar one is you apply to a job and they tell you we're non we're non-negotiating like we're Mm -hmm. we're non-negotiating company we just tell you your salary boom you're done like come in and we do that to be totally fair and, and and transparent the second is uh, within a company paying everyone at the level the same no bands anymore right everyone at this level level Mm -hmm. five level six level seven in this job family so you do still split it by job family right you're paid you're paid the same there's like you might have an
0: engineering target by level and a corporate target by level or something like that
2: exactly and but that's it and paying everyone so they're very similar in nature it's just like one salary that, why, I, why do why do bands exist?
0: <laughs> oh my God, this is such a good question. Um, because we have worked with a handful of companies. We because I was I would argue philosophically, I and the, the team believes in salary ranges. Yeah. Um, they they should be within they should be narrow enough that you can still manage internal equity, but mm. wide enough. And I will get into why. But like wide enough that people can progress in their career in that level, and there can be some differentiation that's fair. But it's actually really interesting. We have worked with a handful of companies who have started out saying we want one target by level. And that works, that in, I wanna say it depends. There are some companies who manage that. It's usually smaller companies. Um, it breaks decently fast in the sense that the only way it put, takes away a lot. What we find is after about a year, it takes a lot of all the pressure that would go on like raises. You feel like you've absorbed, like it's like, oh, it's fair. It's all of a sudden put all the pressure on promotions. And a lot of the politics and drama become on people get instead of like hey that person makes more than me that's not fair it becomes that person got promoted and that's not fair Mm -hmm. um and that's not everything what ends up happening actually a handful of clients is they start with one and then a year later they want a low and a high point for each of those levels (laughs) and now we now we have a couple clients who have low mid and then now they have three touch points in it Mm -hmm. um and then the issue though becomes like the reason i fundamentally believe in bands as a good practice for not, it doesn't, again, I don't want to like prescribe perfectly for everybody, but the reason bands work well for most companies that we develop design with is that within a level, particularly as you get more senior, within a level, there is going to be a range right. of experience, slight like skill set shifts, performance, where you want to be able to differentiate between employees effectively. And that's what, like, there's, I don't want to botch this, but like, there's a difference between like equality and equity mm-hmm. and like in the same way of like, there's one element of like, it it is, there's an element of it's very fair to pay everybody the same at that level. But then there's an element of like, what if there are performance differences, five, three or five years of experience differences, mm-hmm. that person knows three extra coding languages and, or like there's, there's right. little shifts in the market that you can't account for with that level of rigidity if that makes sense
1: so there's this whole there's this whole switch you've seen certain companies say we keep paying for the role like software you know mm-hmm. you make what you make um and you see certain companies say no if you're moving here let us know where you move to so we can switch you see you know and then there's been some backlash in terms of oh are you cutting people's salaries like i would love to just get just get yeah like a, <laughs> again <laughs>
0: huge topic <laughs> yeah but i happy to break it down in terms yes, of please okay please, yeah. so first slight history i'm gonna so i For now, I'm going to put some parameters around like right now, I'm just talking really about like the U.S., Mm. Um, less less about like international markets. Yeah. Um, But first, I think a small like history part of compensation design, paying, having a like a geography or local market based or metro area based approach to pay pre-pandemic was always a thing. Like it was it was it's it's funny because, you know, post like this in this new remote work world, it's become a hot topic, but paying relative to the metro areas you're hiring in forever has been a natural part of compensation strategy. So like, even like two, three years ago, you could look at like all of like Facebook's job postings, half of them, half of the US ones were outside the Bay area. And there's a reason for that. (laughs)
2: Like
0: there's when you're dealing with a company at that scale and actually i used to work for companies that were thousands and thousands of people Mm -hmm. um there are workforce planning facilities people analytics finance teams all doing that research to figure out what markets they want to be in Mm -hmm. and part of that calculation is like where the talent is what the and what the cost of labor is Um, so a team might open up that that's why there's a lot of like you'll find a lot of like e-commerce companies have a customer success or call center in like Tucson, Arizona, but their headquarters is in California or Minneapolis or something like that. It's like, there is, there are forever, there have been labor cost calculations. Yeah, It is just really, that also say it is very interesting. The past two years, the, in tech, the remote world has shifted things, have shifted mindsets, has shifted pay a bit um, in terms of how companies approach the the geo strategy. And then I think second, what I want to talk about a little bit is like a couple, just making sure, I know we've chatted about this before, but just making sure people, anyone listening understands that um, I think there's a, when I've I've spoken to employees, there's a little bit of a misconception that differentiating pay by location is a cost of living calculation. But it's not, it is a cost of labor calculation and they're a little different. They're, they're directionally the same, but I think there's a fear that if an employee is based in New York and they move to Kansas city, where the cost of living is, I'm making this up. I don't actually know this is like 40% lower. They think that salary range is 40% lower. Mm. That is not the case. When it comes to the tech market relative to like New York or the Bay area, the mo- the The most that we've seen, like right now what we're seeing in the market is like companies really aren't, like let's say Bay Area based, most companies based in the Bay Area will still have a geographically distributed strategy, but even the most rural lowest cost of living locations will still only have a salary range that's about 20%-ish lower Mm. than the Bay Area. We're not talking about ranges that are like, you make 200 in the Bay area and 100 in somewhere else. Mm. We're talking about 20%, maybe 20% ish swings at most. And Mm. most places will only have like a five or 10% swing. And when, if you think about the fact that most salary, actually fun fact, most salary salary ranges tend to be anywhere from 30 to 50% wide. That Mm. means that most salary ranges overlap. Like if you're going to move, and then that brings up the third thing of like, what happens when employees move? Yeah. Um, and I will say there's a, two different things. One, the philosophy itself actually we'll get into a second, like about, I do, so I do have, I do for reasons I will get into, believe that there some form of a geo-distributed strategy is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to actual policy of what happens when people move, particularly for small companies, what we generally find is employee. no one it's, it's really particularly in this market, bad for competitiveness and morale to mm. cut employee pay. Yeah. The big companies are doing it. Like like the Googles and the like and the, the big companies will cut like will have a and that is because it because it's it doesn't scale well to pay everybody Bay Area pay everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um but what we've seen is hey we're not going to cut your pay but companies that do have like a market based philosophy will this is look if you're going to move from New York to Minneapolis we're not going to cut your pay but we are when it comes time for review we are going to review you relative to those market benchmarks. And because those ranges overlap, you might be perfectly fine to get a normal raise, whatever it is. But if it turns out you happen to be one of the people who is already like high in market for New York, and that makes you over, kind of over what we would expect to pay in Minneapolis, we might say, okay, we might make an exception, or but it's going to be case by case. We might say that we might not give you a raise that year, just take, keep pace with internal equity. There's different ways, and case by case, there's different ways of approaching that.
2: So you don't necessarily lower someone's pay because they, they moved but like obviously like it's uh because one of the one of the biggest things like these days is you know people being afraid and i think like i've even heard stories of people hiding the fact that they moved as long mm-hmm. as possible big,
0: big comp yes like big companies yeah. uh because big companies do because it doesn't it's very hard to scale like i said so lots of major companies have uh like, formulaic right. like hey this this is 10 percent lower you're getting a cut if you if you move um, and that's perfectly normal. But because we target it, startups are already, you know, they want to compete, they want to be fair, they're smaller, they have a little bit more financial flexibility to do that. And they have, you know, get to be a little bit more intentional and in people first. Um, okay. Won't well, they, they want to be fair. And actually, what's funny is when you consider the companies that are cutting that will cut pay, like the bigger ones that are paying 75th percentile plus of pay. Mm-hmm cutting, if you're a company paying 95th percentile of the market and you cut pay by 10%, you're still paying 90th percentile of the market. (laughs) Like those those companies, like it's all, it's hilarious because this brings up an entirely tangential point of like when it comes to how you feel about how you're paid, it's really all like the, like in what you feel about internal fairness. It's not necessarily like what the number is. It's more about like the experience and what, uh, like we work with nonprofits who, for obvious reasons, have much lower pay bands than a fintech startup. Yeah. Um, but those sometimes those teams are fundamentally more satisfied with their pay because they understand it and they feel the process around it is fair more than companies that pay sometimes double that uh, because they're really mad they're going to get a 5k pay cut and it's worth quitting over. Like it's really it's really amazing in the market how that's one thing that like I feel like I've worked with over a hundred companies at this point. That's one thing in the market that I find is continues to amaze me is how kind of like relative it is and how people compare themselves. The first thing people think of when they think about like, hey, I'm gonna measure pay equity, what's the first thing I can pull out of the hat is usually like, let's look at average salary Mm. by let's, gender and ethnicity are obviously the two most common forms of diversity uh, or demographics that are measured. So I'm just gonna use those for now, but with the full acknowledgement that there are others, Mm. Um, but let's look at average salary for men and women. And, or let's look at the average salary for white employees versus employees of color. And what's really interesting there is clearly that that doesn't uh, account for lots of things. And a lot of times someone's saying, oh, there's a huge wage gap, men men make this average salary, women make this lower average salary. But what that really usually is more so than a pay, often sometimes it's a pay equity gap, but more so than a pay equity gap, it's often an opportunity gap. Um, it is, it is usually because, and we've measured equity at so many of our clients, and we've seen so many of the public company releases, what tends to happen in lots of places, uh, unfortunately is the more senior you get, the more white and male you get. Um, and more senior means hopefully everybody knows means higher pay. So (laughs) that is usually because the more senior positions are held by those majority groups
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and that tends to be why average salary average salary can be a good initial metric marker but it's not it's not always the uh not always where you want to draw like hey we have a pay equity issue from and mm-hmm. that but i would recommend and in terms of measuring pay equity and actually one of the things i will not is to measure representation um in addition to measuring any pay equity because and I actually with our clients, I won't decouple them. I won't measure pay equity without giving them a full representation study because you can't measure what's not there. Mm -hmm. Um, And often even just like, again, coming back to like HR and communication, a lot of times people feeling feelings of unfairness or I'm not paid fairly, or um, when particularly we've worked with organizations where it is more of a situation where we're coming in to measure, to do this comp analysis because women employees or black employees have this deep feeling of unfairness of what's the deal. And often a lot of that is because of representation and opportunity issues, mm-hmm. not because of necessarily pay, like entirely on pay equity issues. Mm-hmm. So it's important to measure both. Um, the, way, the, the way that when we measure pay equity is that we are, we are using metrics that control for job function, geography, if there's a geography strategy and level. So for the in general, what we're looking at is once you control for those things, are women statistically likely to fall lower in their comp benchmarks relative to men or employees of color relative to white employees? Mm-hmm. And even if we don't find that statistical significance, and again, this is, there's different this is keeping in mind that my focus is usually on companies less than a thousand people. Yeah. We also uh, we like to go. We, we don't like to just check the box and say, hey, that normalization metric, doesn't have, we do a t-test, it doesn't have statistical significance. We will drill down by department, by team, all of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, even if we don't find um, that level of statistical significance where there's a big issue, we will, we, we will actually just manually look at everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even to the point where we're, what we, one of the things we do is we'll create this very broad stroke, what we call our flag list mm-hmm. of, hey, here's all of your engineers in level five, It could be that they're all comfortably in range and within a couple thousand dollars of each other, but the lowest paid person is a Hispanic employee Mm. there. What we do is we will, will, anytime we find anything like that, any trend like that, or any one-off employee like that, we'll flag that to the organization. And it is a broad stroke list. And this is actually coming all the way back to like ranges Mm. um, and why, why like sometimes like that defensible range strategy works is because what we do is again, partnership with HR, the business leaders of. As a third party we try to take the broadest stroke look yeah um then we ask them to review it if like if there's a company of 200 people and they have 20 flags does this person is there a defensible realistic reason why this woman makes less than these men
2: mm-hmm. if it's
0: if the answer is yes actually those the two men that she's being compared to have three more years of experience and got high performance scores great or that p- woman was just promoted the other two have been in the role for three years and are about like they they fundamentally make Sense on a continuum great but if there's not a reason we would argue that like even if it's like a thousand dollar difference they should be brought to at least the next level of pay
1: we have like 800 questions we can ask <laughs> an hour or two, but well, you know we have to we'll, we'll have to do a part two to today okay. i mean what you know sam what do you think i know what? people
0: could talk like i mean i do i do talk about pay all day but people yeah. could talk you could talk about pay all day <laughs>
1: yeah okay yeah, yeah. so We'll, we'll, we'll plan for that because I think this has been an incredible conversation. I've, I've had fun just, just even just hear you explain some of these things. Um, I learned a lot from it. Uh, so thank you. Thank you so, so much. Of course.
0: for. Thank you guys so uh, much for having me.
1: Um, and yeah, for, for, for anyone, for anyone um, that's, that's listening, we'll have, Uh, Sam, Sam's uh, your details in case like they want to reach out on LinkedIn, just you know, just to learn and just follow you and stuff like that. Great, Uh, that'll be that'll be that'll be great. So thank
2: you so much for your time and uh, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on the the podcast.
1: Thank you,
0: thank you both so much.